This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Chinese President Xi Jinping set to win a third term in office, which means that the path he has charted will continue. But is that a good thing for that country? What does it mean also for the other countries in that part of the world, in Asia? And larger scope, what is it going to mean for other countries around the globe? Pleasure to welcome back to the show Regina Abrami, who's a professor and faculty director of the Global Program with the Lauder Institute of Management and International Studies here at the Wharton School. Regina, pleasure to have you back with us. Great to be here. Hi, Dan. Uh, so I, I, I'm not going to even say, well, if Xi Jinping gets elected, it's when. And, and so then what are your expectations of, of what this means? I guess let's start with China because there's certainly a lot going on in that country right now still with its economy, with COVID, uh, with the zero COVID policy, et cetera. Um, well, great question. I think what it means for China pretty much is staying on the same path, at least for the next few months. Um, I don't think zero COVID is going to be lifted anytime soon, um, not the least because local government officials do not want to be falling afoul of that policy. Um, so I think we'll see that there. I also think um, we don't really know how the kind of real estate property developer crisis that's going yeah. on right now is going to unwind. But we are seeing that China or the current government is certainly holding feet to the fire on many of these firms. And that was a big shift we haven't seen in the past. So I think domestically, um, big problem is going to be figuring out how they can stimulate consumer growth and break the cycle of an investment-led growth strategy. And that is going to be pretty hard to unwind from. So having Xi in office, then, what does that mean for Asia? And I think we, we a lot of people throw Taiwan right in the at the top of the list here in terms of uh, countries and impact. Uh, as we move forward? So I think for Asia, I think the expectation, of course, is that Xi Jinping is going to continue. And I don't think anyone is expecting significant change in the current strategy, that wolf warrior diplomacy is going to continue. You know, keep in mind that when Xi came to power, he, he sort of describes himself as the, the person who's going to make China stronger. You know, if Mao Zedong made China stand up and if Deng Xiaoping got China rich, Xi Jinping was going to make China stronger. And Taiwan fights as part of that. Um, I do think that it's going to continue to be a tremendous source of stress in international relations, including the U.S., not just Asia. Um, and I think that you're also seeing China make moves, not just in Asia, but to the world, with two kind of grand strategies, which is this new global security initiative and its global development initiative, which is meant to be kind of like a, an alternative to what else is already there and puts China front and center. So there's getting stronger, but there's also being stronger at the same time while having a, a, a strong economy, a, a, you know, a, a country that, that runs well. And, and I think there are some questions as to whether or not those two components are, are, are not as, as in sync as maybe they might have been in the past. I think that's a, right, that's a correct observation. At the same time, I wouldn't discount the willingness of Chinese people um, to uh, tolerate hardship on behalf of national security and, and patriotism. It's yes, for sure, we've seen some protests around um, housing and uh, not being built. We've seen protests around COVID-19. But I can guarantee you, if you talk about whether or not Taiwan is part of China, you, you'd be hard put to find someone in the PRC who doesn't think it is. So then let's expand this beyond and, and think about what uh, the, the, the re-election uh, of Xi Jinping means for countries outside of kind of that Asia rim. 
well, if we speak, you know, globally, and particularly with regard to the U.S., I think the, the thing to be watching is that China has been systematically and quite effectively trying to build um, an alternative to the United States. And by that, I mean to say to sort of weaken its dependency on the United States, whether it be to supplies, uh, financing, and whatnot. So while we often talk about decoupling as uh, something that's associated prior to this with President Trump, you can also say that it's been occurring on the Chinese side even pre-President Trump, insofar that Xi Jinping saw China's weakness very much tied to its deep, deep interdependencies with the United States especially. So I think we're going to see a furthering of Chinese efforts to decouple itself and to strengthen through alternative alliances, security alliances, but also continuing with, um, through aid and whatnot, we'll call development alliances. And I think we saw that most recently with the um, UN Human Rights Council report which China vigorously protested being released about Xinjiang, and to which it had the support of many, many countries um, in not supporting the release of that report. As for what has gone on between China and Russia, and and most recently uh, its kind of support of Russia with with Ukraine uh, in the in the mindset, how much has that impacted China on the global uh, on the global stage? I think in terms of credibility, China has taken a bit of a hit on that insofar that China, if anything, has consistently said that it, the one, if there's one norm, international norm and values, it is sovereignty. And so it is seen as somewhat uh, contradictory that violation of Ukraine's sovereignty is not being um, dealt with in, in strong words by, by China. And instead, we're seeing China have to balance this uh, awkward situation it got itself into just prior to Russian's um, actions in Ukraine, and that it declared friendship with um, Russia to be without limits. Um, Having said that, I do think there are certain signals that China is expressing its displeasure with Russia and um, wishing it were um, acting otherwise. Washington Post had an article a couple of days ago talking about Xi's quest for total control just getting started. If that's the case, how concerning should that be? Um, total control of, of the Chinese government, total control of the world. Where, where are we controlling? Well, more more so China, the the, the country, but yeah, there and having that influence outside of uh, of his country as well. Okay, so I think that quest. I mean, I think for anyone to be observing that it's something we've been watching happen over the past ten years. I mean, he has significantly and and in some sense um, majestically managed to concentrate his power in all sorts of different ways. Um, and I think that will absolutely continue. Uh, we just recently saw the arrest of several very senior officials on corruption. This is a pattern we've seen in the past. But we've also seen from 2018 um, the, the guarantee that, that one could be president for life. Um, and so I think you're going to continue to see these actions occur. Um, there is some question about whether or not he will stay on forever as party secretary, and if if he intends to stay in power forever, the only other option besides staying on as party secretary is to actually reinstate the title of chairman of the Communist Party of China. That would right. really put him on level with Mao Zedong. Um, that that role was uh, disappeared in 1982 by con- by right. constitutional change. So um, I think you're going to just continue to see that path because he sees that as the only way to make China stronger. Regina, great to talk to you as always. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You got it. Regina Abrami, professor and faculty director of the Global Program with the Lauder Institute here at the Wharton School. 
To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.